exclusive on files, home to the world's biggest stars. Get your hands up. Live on your radio. And you can check us out on your socials. <laughs> your favorite person, Serena. Bellissimo Files on spin. And now your host, yeah. Serena Bellissimo. Good morning. How's it going? I know it's really manky out there, but it's a bank holiday weekend. So regardless of the weather, it is a fabulous weekend. And we have a great Bellissimo Files on the way for you. On today's show, Jenna Coleman is going to be telling us why she's so excited to be a part of The Sandman, Netflix's new series, which starts at um, the next Friday. It premieres on Netflix. I'll also be catching up with her co-star, Gwendolyn Christie. She's going to reveal why she couldn't say no to playing the evil Lucifer and why she felt so fabulous. Yuanda Biale is going to chat about reclaiming her voice with her new book, Reclaiming. And up next, I'll introduce you to our one to watch, Hawk Jupiter. This week's one to watch is an electronic music producer and songwriter from Carlo. Listening to his music has been described as driving a DeLorean through an amusement arcade while your passenger plays a Nintendo Switch and eats a Roy of the Rover. He's just released his latest track, Sliding Doors. I'm talking about Hawk Jupiter. Hawk, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me, Serena. I love that description of your music. I got almost every single reference except what's a Roy of the Rover? Oh, that's an amazing bar from my Irish childhood. It, it actually turns your teeth yellow. That's the only thing, bad thing about it. But yeah, really nice pineapple flavours. Okay. Is, does it still exist? It probably exists in one of those old like Irish sweet stores. <laughs> and I guess my idea behind that description was, you know, it's just kind of like a mix mash of loads of different genres. So you walk into a sweet store, you never know what you're going to get, but you know it's going to taste nice. And that's kind of what it's like when you listen to a Hot Jupiter track. I love that. And it's very 80s inspired, isn't it? It is, absolutely, yeah. I grew up listening to a lot of, you know, 80s Eurythmics, you know, and also saxophones and, you know, the whole lot. So I like to bring a bit of that kind of funk element into my tracks. And tell me about Hawk Jupiter. How did the name come about? How did this project come about? Sure. So I suppose I've been a songwriter for so many years and I had been dabbling in folk and in various different bands and stuff. And when I started doing electronic music, I guess I just wanted to create an entity for myself that would allow me to kind of express myself in unique ways and and didn't limit me in any way. And Hawk is like a messenger from a spiritual world and Jupiter is one of the biggest planets in the solar system. So that kind of speaks to the energy that I bring in a song. You know, I'm all about upbeat, up-tempo music. And so I'm kind of, you know, that's that's that was the inspiration for the name. I love that. So like when you take to the stage and you're on stage as Owen, mm-hmm. or you take to the stage and you're on stage as Hawk Jupiter, do you feel a difference? Is there a different sort of confidence about you when you're Hawk? Yeah, I would say so. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and it's funny because I think more and more, there's less of a difference between the two. And, you know, sometimes... People will refer to me as Hawk, sometimes they refer to me as Own. And initially that was strange, but now I'm just kind of like, you know, whatever goes, goes. And you just debuted your latest song, Sliding Doors, at the Carlo Arts Festival. What's that moment like when the song hasn't been out at all, you're playing playing it to this audience who has never heard it? Are you a little bit nervous? And are you spending most of the performance looking at their reaction, or are you just in the moment? You know what? I was absolutely bowled over by the performance of the vocalist who sang with me on the stage. So for that particular performance, I was joined on stage by a singer called Olga Frances, who sang the lead vocal, and she absolutely smashed it. And that was really just incredible. 
Also, I had no idea that this song would be received as well as it has been received. I just kind of thought this is, you know, a track that I like, but I didn't think anyone else would really love it. So it's been amazing to get the reaction to this particular one. So tell me a bit about Sliding Door. I absolutely love it. Oh, thanks. Um, Yeah, Sliding Door, it basically aims to kind of capture that confusion that you may have at the start of a relationship where you never know the difference between, you know, fantasy and reality, what's real and what isn't. And so it kind of captures that feeling of walking through a maze. You never know what's around the corner. And so that's what the lyrics are about. And then the instrumentation is very kind of layered. It's got a lot of sax, funky guitar, synths, and basically kind of just building that immersive soundscape to really kind of, you know, draw you into a sense of atmosphere. Your reaction to this has been great. Um, Does this mean you're putting out some more music soon? Like, what's the plan for the summer? I'm working on three different um, projects at the moment. So... I'm working on a collaborative EP with uh, Zainab. Who I think we just had featured. her on the show recently. Yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so I'm working with Zainab um, on an EP of hers, which I'm kind of co-writing one or two of the songs on and producing the rest. So that's really exciting. Yeah. Also working on an EP with um, Luke Clerken, who is a singer-songwriter from Dublin, and he's more folk-based. So it's interesting to bring that kind of electronic and folk element together. And also I've been working on a separate EP, which I'll be releasing which features Lauren Davis, who is an up-and-coming singer from Galway, an amazing vocalist as well. So loads in the pipeline from a from a studio point of view. That's fantastic. Well, look, if people want to follow you and find out what Hawk Jupiter is up to, uh, give us your socials. So you can find me on at hawk.jupiter on Instagram or on Twitter, it's realhawkjupiter. And on Facebook, it's hawk.jupiter. Perfect. You've made it really simple for us. Well, listen... Hawk, good luck with everything. Great to have you on the show. Awesome. Thanks so much, Serena. Before I let you go, will you introduce the track that we've been talking about? This is Hawk Jupiter and Sliding Door on The Bellissimo Files. This is The Bellissimo Files. Exclusive to Spin. The Sandman is a very popular DC graphic novel and it centres around a character called Morpheus. He's the king of dreams. Anyway, one day he's captured and his powers are taken. After being held captive for over 100 years, he escapes and he sets out to restore order to his kingdom of the dreaming. Netflix have now turned this into a series which premieres on Netflix next Friday. I got to catch up with three of the fabulous stars of this show, Jenna Coleman, Kirby Halbertiste and Gwendolyn Christie. Ladies, lovely to meet you all. Hi. Jenna, on your Instagram, you had up a post and under it, the caption was, dream dangerously, enter the world of the Sandman. What was it like for you entering the Sandman's world? Oh, I loved it. I mean, what I was just talking about sets, actually, not that long ago, because obviously it's very much an anthology. So, so my episode, Meeting Dream, is very much set and grounded in contemporary, you know, London at, at night. So I actually loved when I was there, like being on the sets and sneaking into all of the different realms, because it's one of the most exciting things about this show. It's like episode to episode, you enter completely different realms, worlds. Mm. Kirby, Neil Gaiman has said, we saw a lot of deaths well into many hundreds. Then came Kirby. I was just like, I love you, I believe you, and you're rich. How do you audition to be deaf? Um, in my mum's front room with terrible lighting um, uh, in a pandemic before you have figured out self-taping at home. Um, no, I, I um, honestly, I think that the all of like 
if I if I could say anything to to my performance, it would be that it all came out of love. I love the the comics. I read Sandman years ago. I'm such a fan of Neil Gaiman's work. Um, I read American Gods, and it changed my thinking about so many different things. And I think that when I'd originally read the comic, the the role, the character of Death stood out so much to me. I'd never, I mean, there are so many characters in this that I think they are, you know, Lucifer and the idea, even desire, things like that, that you have seen before in other ways, but never seen them like this, um, which is why I think this is such a memorable piece of art. And so for, for me, it was such an honor to be able to even get the chance to audition to play, to play Death, to play a character that I had, you know, admired for so long that I think that's that's what that topped it over the edges. I had that knowledge and I had the love and it came together perfectly. Gwendolyn, Neil comes to you and says, what about it? Do you want to be Lucifer? How <laughs> <laughs> oh, could I say no? What How- was your reaction? And then getting to see yourself in that costume too. Yeah. Do you like the costume? I think I like anything you wear, Gwendolyn. I think you look amazing. <laughs> Thank you. That's so nice of you. I really am... Um, I loved them. I met Alan and Neil and I loved them. I'd always loved Neil's work because it has such a particular voice and such a human voice and, and great sensitivity. Obviously a great mind, but real emotionality. And um, the idea of working with these people, particularly it was during the, when the pandemic first started. So really the only thing I could think about was connection. Mm. I wanted to connect to people who felt like like-minded souls and the idea of playing the the epitome of evil, of playing Lucifer, the ruler of hell, felt like something that I had something to say about. I also really wanted to challenge after Game of Thrones. I wanted to play a character that was entirely different. And I, and I was um, very touched and overwhelmed that Alan and Neil could see that in me. They could see that I was capable of something else. Yeah. And I was really fascinated by I'd played Lucifer before on stage in Dr. Faustus years ago, and I'd always wanted to revisit it. I'd always thought about, because it is such a, it is an iconic, dramatically an iconic character. I'm thinking about how I could do it better. And over the years, I sort of read little bits and pieces and done a lot of thinking about what evil was. And just during the pandemic, it, it really felt to me that isolation was evil, lack of empathy and disconnection. I also love that they really wanted the character to be fabulous <laughs> and that spoke to me too well they put it in the right hands and ladies <laughs> i could i could talk to you for so much longer but i have to wrap thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me and for the three of you being so fabulous oh thank, thank you, you. Fans of The Sandman, you don't have too long to wait. The series premieres on Netflix next Friday. Let's go! Demolitional Files. What to watch. What to watch. Joining me on the line now is our very own Deidre Malumbi with some great binging picks this weekend. Dee, how's it going? It's going well. Very well, Serena. How are you? I'm good. I'm, I'm surprised you're still standing because there's one show that you've completely binged, haven't you? That's right. So Uncoupled, I'll be talking about today, which is available now on Netflix and Not Okay, which is streaming on Disney+. Plus. Let's start with Uncoupled because Aoife and I mentioned this last week. It stars Neil Patrick Harris. And because he was in it and because I think we're all in Love Love Island mode, we assumed that this was a show about being uncoupled, which it is, but we thought it was a reality TV show. It's not that, is it? 
And I suppose from the title of it, it would sound like that, wouldn't it? Yeah. Uh, but no, and this actually comes from Darren Starr, who, if anyone is familiar with Love his, his work, work, he would have also done uh, Sex in the City and more recently Emily in Paris. So this is kind of his latest show for Netflix and it stars Neil Patrick Harris as this newly single gay real estate agent from Manhattan. He now has to navigate the dating scene of New York City for the first time in 17 years as he is suddenly dumped by his long-term partner and he has to do it in his mid-40s as well. Oh, How will he cope? Oh no, let's take a clip. <laughs> hey, birthday boy. Gosh, the tension in your shoulders is off the charts. What's going on? I took my clothes and some things and I moved out. After 17 years, my boyfriend told me he was leaving me. What? After you? Yep. And he kept saying, uh-huh. oh, I'm officially out of the fan club. I love just that clip. I love, I have to admit, I'm a massive Neil Patrick Harris fan. Back in the 80s, he had a show called Doogie Hauser MD where he played like a teenage doctor. We all came to love him as Barney in um, How I Met My Mother. And now he's back with this. Are, yeah, are I- we to be excited? Absolutely. I think that he's he's very, very good in this, I have to say. Um, and it's kind of a tough one, I suppose, doing a romantic comedy where the lead character is single. So I think that that's quite interesting about it. A lot of people have been describing this as sex in the city, but gay. And I definitely got that vibe from it because it is very much about um, the gay scene in Manhattan, particularly in kind of the modern era, because you get um, him and his gay friends who are now starting to see uh, younger men and kind of talking about how they're kind of more woke and how they now perceive the dating world. So I find it quite interesting. And I have to say, a bit educational as well. There were some terms in there that I did not know. And I learned a few things watching this. I won't get into that right now. Okay. Uh, but but you know what? It's really, it's really light. It's really funny. It's really sweet. Is it a show that's going to kind of change the world? And is it up there with, you know, kind of the big Netflix shows? Probably not. But for my part, I enjoyed it. I think it was about... I'm trying to remember now. I think it was something like eight episodes, but they're all like 30 minutes long. So it's really easy to just absolutely fly through the series. And another thing I have to say that I absolutely adored in this was uh, Marcia Gay Harden is in it. So people might recognize her from, um, she was more recently in uh, The Morning Show and she's had like a number of um, credits over the years. But I remember her as that author and just Jennifer Aniston's character like running to her being like, please don't publish this book. And she just had the most amazing monologue. But she's in this as well. And she plays Claire Lewis, who is a wealthy woman who was um, left by her husband. So she's kind of navigating this this dating scene in New York as well. And her and uh, Neil Patrick Harris's character strike up this friendship as well as, you know, she being his client. And it's just, it's really sweet. It's really kind of feel good. And I quite enjoyed it. Um, I know that the critics are a bit split on this one, but I think it's a pretty good crack. I'd, I'd recommend it. What are you going to give it out of five? I'm going to give it three and a half out of five stars. Yeah, sounds good. And I think series like this, like comedies and romantic, um, romantic-based romantic series aren't made anymore. So yay to Netflix for putting this out there because sometimes this is what we need, just some fun chewing gum type TV. Absolutely. And then sometimes you get like the kind of, you know, the um, the new seasons of these Netflix shows coming out, but they're a big, long commitment. You know, they're like 10... Yeah one hour long episode yeah. or whatever. This series will absolutely fly to and just have a good time watching it. Oh, I can't wait. Okay, so that's Uncoupled on Netflix. Let's move to Disney Plus. Not okay. 
Yeah, so this is the latest from uh, Zoe Deutsch. She plays Danny Sanders in this, who is a photo editor. She's an aspiring writer for this fictional magazine called Depravity, but she's kind of a bit listless, uh, struggling with her job. She doesn't really have many friends, and more importantly, she doesn't have any followers. So she decides to make up this whole big lie, of course, to impress a boy, really, about attending this um, retreat in Paris. But instead, what she does is basically spends a week holed up in her apartment, posting photoshopped pictures of herself in Paris online. And at one point, she uh, posts this fake photo of herself at the Arc de Triomphe, goes to sleep, and lo and behold, the next morning, she finds out there actually has been an attack on several landmarks in Paris, including the Arc, where she shared this picture of. So she decides instead of coming clean to actually keep up the lie, even lying to her family, pretends that she's returned from Paris. And from there, her life just explodes with popularity as people believe that she's a survivor of this incident and things just keep getting crazier from there. Let's take a clip. Hey, Mom! Guess what? I got invited to a writer's retreat in Paris. Yes, really. No, it's not a scam. Hey guys, crazy plot twist. I got an email today inviting me to go on this retreat in Paris. I'm on my way to the airport. A clip there from Not Okay. I know it's fictional, but do you think they've taken inspiration from Instagram? Oh, absolutely. And that's the thing about this movie is that you're watching it and you're like, gosh, this is really dark, but this could actually um, happen. And it goes into this whole storyline of um, she makes friends with this uh, survivor of a school shooting and they become really close. And she genuinely thinks that, you know, this girl, Danny, is a fellow survivor. And it just gets keep getting darker and kind of cringier. And it's interesting that there's a content warning at the start of the film. And one of the warnings is that the protagonist is deeply unlikable. And I was thinking, oh, that's kind of a weird thing to put at the start of the movie. And I kind of wondered if it was a joke. But then I was like, as I was watching the film, I was like, yeah, this person just has absolutely no morals. And there, there must be just something wrong with her. She's just not like nice at all. Um, it's 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 interesting because I think that there have been other movies that look at the stronghold of social media and I think maybe some of them did it better like I was mem- remembering uh, Spree from a few years ago starring uh, you know your one Joe Keery from uh, Stranger Things and I thought that was a darker, a darker and funnier movie and I was also kind of comparing it in my head to Ingrid Goes West which I think is absolutely phenomenal Audrey Plaza and Elizabeth Olsen are in that one and their chemistry is just amazing I found this film very interesting to watch but a bit cringe and quite kind of challenging because what the lead character is doing is just so like absolutely crazy and just so kind of cruel in a way Um, but it is a really strong social commentary and I have to say I wasn't sure how they were going to be able to wrap things up but ultimately it is a very good and fitting ending Um, there are some great performances in this it is a challenging watch I would say and just be warned that um, as you're watching it it is it is a deeply unlikable character and she goes to just some really kind of morally questionable places Um, but I still find it a really interesting watch and I would recommend it even as a one-off, uh, because, like I said, it's it's crazy to think that something like this could actually happen. Oh, yeah. And what are you going to give it out of five, D? I'm going to give it three out of five. Deidre Malumbi, as always, thanks a million for that, and we'll catch you next week. Thanks for having me. The Bellissimo Files. Favourite thing. We've only just begun festival is back at Whelan's from the 5th to the 7th of August. 23 acts over three nights will take to two stages to perform. One of the acts performing is Bobby Arlo. She joins me now to tell me more about the festival and, of course, to share her favourite things. 
Bobby, it's always great to have you back on the show. Thank you so much for having me. I always love coming back here. Tell me about We've Only Just Begun. Yeah, it's a sick lineup. I'm playing I'm playing on the Saturday. I'm actually raging because I'm in work on the Friday um, and the Sunday. I'd love to see the whole weekend. But um, the Saturday lineup is, is honestly is great. Um, I'm playing with a lot of people who I really admire. And uh, yeah, I'm very excited to see play live as well. Why is this such a cool festival? Um, I think it's like, for me, it's the strongest of the strongest in the industry at the moment um, in Ireland. Just coming together to play one collective festival. And it's always a, a really encouraging thing to see that people are acknowledging the acts in Ireland because I think we have such um like a diverse and like really talented group of people pushing forward in the music industry at the minute and it's it's nice to be it's nice for it to be put on a pedal still pretty much so it's it's yeah. a great festival lineup and it's pretty special isn't it to be playing at Whelan's oh it, it's it's very special because it was my it's the first it's a place I played my first gig in so um I haven't really played a gig in it since so it's going to be a very like full circle moment to come back three years later and um and play a gig in it so I'm very excited well we're looking forward to that but we're also looking forward to finding out a bit more about you Bobby through your favourite things are you ready for it yeah i am yeah <laughs> what tv show are you obsessing over right now it's gonna have to be very vanilla answer it's gonna be love island i can't <laughs> stop watching it at the minute <laughs> there's nothing I didn't... vanilla about that show at the moment bobby <laughs> oh i know i didn't want to be i was forced to watch it and i really i really pushed against i didn't want to be one of those love island people but now i'm fully obsessed i can't stop watching it i'm so in- involved with the characters and everything that's happening in it at the moment <laughs> favorite film oh um oh Oh, it's so hard to pick a favourite film. I'd say maybe She's the Man. No way, that's not what I would have expected. Yeah, I think, yeah, I feel like that movie, like, makes up my personality. If anyone knows me in real life, they know that, like, I think I just quoted every quote from that movie for about six years of my life. <laughs> um, so I'd say that's probably, like, the top one. And then the second one would maybe be Cat in the Hat, which is controversial, but I don't know. Okay, favourite book? Do you know what? I'm going to be very honest. I've only ever read two, no, three books in my life. And were they for um, school? Yeah, well, apart from school, yeah. Um, I think... It's going to have to be a Sally Rooney book. I think I really enjoyed Normal People, but I think Conversations with Friends was my favourite one. What song should everyone have on their pumped up playlist? Fever Thoughts by Bobby Erlo. Of course they should. <laughs> of course they should. Um, no, I think, um, I think Out Out by Charlie XCX and Jill Curry is like my pump song. I listen to that all the time. I um, completely yeah, forgot great. about that song and you're right. Yeah, it just so gets good. you in the mood straight away, doesn't it? Yeah, it's a it's a very running on a treadmill type song. I love it. Do you have a favourite album? Um, I actually was going to be talking about this the other day. This is a really hard question because I can't pick a favourite song, let alone favourite album. <laughs> I can pick like, um, oh, I don't know. Okay, if I was to... Whittle it down. I think my favorite album right now is Charlie XCX's album Crash. But my all-time favorite, I think, would be Ellie Goulding's Lights, which is like God, two thousands album. It's like a great, really, really great album. What podcast are you listening to right now? <laughs> Again, I only listen to one podcast. I need to get into the whole podcast scene, but um, it's my friend Adam's podcast called No Encore, and his friends. David and Craig run it. It's a podcast that basically interviews people in the music industry, um, you know, Irish music industry people and like outside. And it's a really interesting in and look into the minds behind the people who create the music and who are in the industry. So it's a really, really, really good podcast that I think I would recommend to anyone who's in the music to to watch and listen to. What app can't you live without? Oh, it's got to be TikTok, hasn't it? 100%, (laughs) unfortunately. Now, when it comes to TikTok, there seems to be two people. There seems to be the ones that are constantly creating 
and then the ones uh-huh. that are just sitting back and just enjoying the content. Where do you fall? Oh, 100%. I just sit back and, and fall into a TikTok hole, 100%. I really want to be one of those TikTokers that like put a lot of effort into TikToks, but I'm just so low maintenance as a human that I can't keep up with the standards. It's crazy difficult. It's a full-time job to be a TikToker. It really like, is. Like genuinely. Yeah, no, I agree. We'll sit back and enjoy it all. <laughs> Yeah, I'd ra- I'd rather sit back and laugh at a couple of videos, don't you? Yeah. Um, Bobby, your favourite social media account to follow? Oh, this is a hard one. There's, I feel like I just follow a lot of food accounts a lot of the time. So it's really, yeah, it's really a, a hard question. I think, do you know what? Brittany Brosby always makes me laugh. She like she's a, a TikToker that I go back to all the time because she's hilarious. And what's your favourite thing to do on a weekend? I'm a foodie, so I love going for brunch and specifically I love going to new places for brunch like every every weekend if I have a weekend off and just like trying new foods and I love going for strolls in the morning with a coffee like that's my ideal weekend um, and then if my girlfriend's with me ideal that's like the perfect weekend for me that sounds but yeah bad. brunch but the weekend of the 5th to the 7th of August you can be found on the Saturday night playing Wheelands at the We've Only Just Begun Festival Bobby it's great to have you back on the stage I know thank you so much for having me I'm so excited bye this is the Bellissimo Files exclusive to spin. You're listening to the Bellissimo Files. A little earlier on the show, we caught up with the cast of The Sandman. If you missed that, you can catch the interview with Jenna Coleman, Kirby Halbertiste and Gwendolyn Christie. That is up on our website now, spin1038.com. But now it's time to talk to the man, Neil Gaiman, who, after 30 years about writing about The Sandman... He finally has it coming to Netflix. He's teamed up with Alan Heinberg, the showrunner, to bring this to us. If you don't have any idea of what The Sandman is about, well, it centres around a character called Morpheus. He's the king of dreams. One day he's captured, his powers are taken, he's in captivity for over 100 years, but then when he escapes, well... A lot of things happen because he is trying to restore his his he's trying to restore the order in his kingdom of dreaming. Let's catch up with Alan and Neil to find out more about the show. Alan and Neil, congratulations on the Sandman. Thank you so Thank much. Thank you so much. Neil, you wrote this over 30 years ago. Yep. How did you come up with a concept and why has it taken so long to bring it to screen? <laughs> <laughs> I came up with the concept because I was asked by DC Comics to write a monthly comic for them. and I No pressure. No pressure. And I had this idea of somebody who lived in dreams. And I'd never written a monthly comic before. I'd barely written, you know, I'd had like three or four stories published and I didn't know that I could do a monthly story. So I thought, okay, well then... Let me come up with something that will let me go anywhere and do anything and tell any kind of story I want. The idea of somebody who lived in your dreams and who had existed since the dawn of time, that seemed to be a great place to start. It took 30-something years to bring it to the screen because over the years, many people have tried to make Sandman movies. Sandman was one of DC Comics' biggest properties, But the problem was they were always trying to take a 3,000-page story and make a two-hour film of it. Mm. And by the time you've done that, you don't have much Sandman left. The magic for me and Alan was being told, okay, just make Sandman and make it in your own time and at your own pace. And we took the first two volumes of Sandman, the first two books, the first 400 pages And that is our first 10 episodes. Alan, you know, we know why Neil wanted to be a part of this, but you've said you've always wanted this job. Why this job? 
Well, I fell in love with the comics. I mean, what Neil did as a storyteller inside comics was essentially to reinvent what was possible. Alan Moore started it and Grant Morrison and Jamie Delano. There was a whole wave of of people telling, using comics to tell stories in sort of modern ways that had never happened before at the same time. But the way that Neil came in and did it, it, it blew my mind in terms of what was possible narratively. The Sandman spans, you know, you go from the dawn of time to the present day and beyond in some cases. There is nothing you can't do in this universe. And it, you know, we were, we've been talking about the lasting appeal of Sandman. And for me, what the Sandman has been the entire time is a very unique sort of love story. Do you know, it's about a king, a, a godlike entity who over the course of those 3000 pages learns what love is and learns how to love and i think it it was deeply resonant for me and that's why i fell in love with the story and that's why i think it's a timeless story and a very timely one one we need right now because it's yeah. about wanting and needing and and learning how to make connections with other people probably one though that you shouldn't watch just before you're about to go to bed that's when i started this and then i just went <laughs> what am i doing like what am i doing neil are you ever freaked out by what you write do they ever come into your dreams um they never come into my dreams or almost never occasionally i'm, I'm much more likely to go oh this is really interesting and that's what it feels like to be morpheus okay that's that'll happen um but I, every now and again, I will be surprised by something that I've written if it takes me by, if I if I hit it from an unexpected angle. Um, I got absolutely freaked out by the Audible adaptation of Sandman when they did it as an audiobook, when it just started playing at one point and I found myself listening to the Diner episode and some very dark awful things were happening and I just wasn't expecting it. I'm, it was it, the, the phone started playing it itself and that was deeply troubling. Yes. <laughs> Finally, really quickly, Alan Neal said that there's 3,000 pages that he's written. You've only looked at 400. My maths isn't great, but there's another 2,600 pages left. Are we getting another season? Your, your math is fantastic. And speaking of numbers, if the numbers add up, if people show up for, for this, we will keep making it. We would love to. We are ready to. And we just would love everybody to tell their friends and bring them to the party. And if enough people show up, then the party will keep going. Chat to you for season two. Thank you so much. <laughs> There's not long to go now. If you are a fan of The Sandman, that premieres on Netflix on Friday. Break it down. The Melissimo Files. What did I miss? Five, four, three, two, one. It's been a quiet week. But there's still been lots of things going on. So joining me in studio is Aoife, producer Aoife, to fill us in. I know that's an oxymoron. It's been a quiet week, but there's been a lot going on. But there has been a few things. It's that quiet week in the summer where I think, isn't it, builders' holidays? So it's like the time of the summer <laughs> sorry, where... Sorry, I've never heard of that Yeah, term. it's like a two-week break from some construction or something like that. So it's okay. like the, the, the two weeks in the middle of the summer where most people are off and most people take their holidays and stuff. So I find it's been really quiet everywhere. It has, but there's still stuff going on. Um, there's lots of stuff keeping us entertained, including well, Love Island, well, which I cannot believe I have been sucked into so much this year. But you used the word entertained and all I heard you doing out there today was moaning yeah, about the week that was. Yeah, very, very true. So 
apparently I'm not a regular Love Island watcher over the years but apparently this always happens in the final few weeks where it okay. gets really dull like it gets really really dull because they're all just sort of holding out for the last week because they know they're getting home the following week you know um, and this week is when they've spent like they've all been sent out on their last final dates and they all get to go off and they have these big romantic dates on yachts and in like all sorts of things very over at the top they're all just confessing their love for each other which are they all in love are they all playing a game to win the show who knows so it's all a bit drab <laughs> to say but it is it is coming to an end on is it Monday or Tuesday it's on Monday, Monday. It? Yeah. so the only thing that did spice up the drama a bit last night if you missed it is the couples voted on who they thought was the least compatible couple and who got that I'm a bit raging over this Ekansu and Davide isn't that who everybody is talking about? Yeah, so they've had a very like controversial start to their relationship. There was a big fallout, then they got back together. People don't know if they're just in it for the game again. But I actually think like they're the couple I enjoyed the most on the show out of everyone. So they were the top of the list for the least compatible. Then Gemma and Luca. Um, the only couple who didn't get any votes for least compatible were India and Dami. So they're actually straight through to the final. So our Irish boy Dami is in the final. Wow. So I think tomorrow night then what will happen is the public will vote on who's least compatible and someone will be sent home literally the day before the final. Ekansu and Dami did. They can't. I think they're fan favourites. Yeah. I'd be very disappointed if they don't make it to the final. Because it really has nothing to do with chemistry and it has everything to do with yeah. we want. See, here I am saying it was a very drab week and yet I'm <laughs> so invested. So I actually would love to hear what you guys think. Who do you think is going to win this year? I personally am rooting for Ekansu and Davide because I just think they are absolutely gas. So yeah, please let me know who you think is going to be our winners this year. I'd love to hear your thoughts. At official spin 1038 DM us there and um, yeah, we'll take our own poll and we'll see who the spin yeah. listeners think are going to win. <laughs> um, something that everyone had been counting down to not for very long, we didn't have long to wait, but Beyonce's renaissance came out yesterday. Yeah, she nearly broke the internet yesterday <laughs> with when this dropped. And obviously, I, I'd be very surprised if anyone missed the news that this was arriving yesterday. Um, it was most, much anticipated, as you said. And of course, she hit the mark. She always does. The album is incredible. I listened to it all the way through. For me, it's full of lovely dance samples, which I'm loving. But what you may have missed is there's a fantastic lineup of big names listed in the credits of this album. I cannot get over some of the names that are in there like it's bananas Who? so I want to just let you know because you might be interested in this kind of nerdy stuff the way I am yeah. <laughs> uh, there's sample on there of course from Jay-Z there's Drake there's The Dream remember The Dream there's a rapper like no yeah okay. um, and then she also had Niall Rogers on there DJ Honey Dijon who I'm mad about absolutely love has featured in Dance Track of the Week many times loads of big dancey names are in there so Luke Solomon is in there but there's also some samples, which you may or may not pick up throughout the album. There's Give us like, these ones. So obviously Break My Soul had um, Robin S. Show Me Love. There's a track on there that samples Donna Summer, which is amazing. And there is one in there that samples Khalees, which is a little bit controversial at the moment. We won't get into, but uh, there's many great throwbacks to really big dance anthems on there. And if you want to find out why it's controversial, just go over to Khalees's yes. Instagram, <laughs> her, all her socials, and you'll find out why. Speaking of Instagram, I know there's news today that you're very happy yeah, about. So last week I was out there going, Aoife, everyone's complaining about Instagram, and my feed has finally <laughs> changed over, and I didn't like it, and there was this petition going around, as we see, always happening, but no one ever listens when there's, you know, repost this, and Instagram will change their ways. Well, no one may listen to us, but if you are 
one of the Jenners, one of the Kardashians, <laughs> one of the uh, Chrissy Teigen, and you're reposting Instagram, stop being like TikTok, give us back. Because people were complaining about not so much the videos, and they did. Mm. They turned into just a lot of videos, but people aren't seeing their friends' posts anymore yeah. and the photos. And we all go to Instagram for the photos. We all go to TikTok for our reels, really. Yeah. So can you believe this? For the first time, well, not for the first time, but in a very rare thing, they've backed down. And Instagram boss um, Adam Mazzeri has said, I'm glad we, uh, even though he was criticised about it, he said, I'm glad we took a risk. If we're not failing everyone once in a while, we're not thinking big enough or bold enough. But we definitely need to take a big step back and regroup and... Instagram is going back to the way we know it. And where were you going? Yeah, yeah, maybe not. Well, this morning before we came on air, <laughs> I got more excited than I should have, Aoife. Because what's happened to both our feeds? They're back to normal. Yeah. So and you go. know what? It is something I've seen so many people giving out about over the last few weeks. So it is good. I actually really appreciate that they put a statement out as well, that they didn't just revert it and go, oh, nothing happened. Exactly. They were like, no, look, we hold our hands up. We're yep. going to kind of fix it. So there you go. If your feed hasn't reverted back yet, and I know this is such a first world problem, but if it hasn't reverted back yet, it will be reverting back, I'd say, in the next couple of days. Yeah. yeah. Aoife, you're going to be back a little later on of with course. the dance track. Two big dance tracks. Oh, let it out. <laughs> <laughs> Two big dance tracks coming your way for the track of the week for the bank holiday weekend. And I will be playing you a snippet of one of those new Beyonce songs, my favourite off the album. Three, two, one. Let's go. It's the Bellissimo Files. The Bellissimo Files. On Spin. Now, Yuande Biala has been one of he has been on one of the biggest reality TV shows in the UK. She said that while Love Island gave her a massive platform, she also felt she lost her voice. Well, she's finding her voice again, and she's using it by writing her own book, reclaiming essays on finding yourself one piece at a time. Yuande joins me now. Yuande, congratulations on the book. Thank you. I saw an Instagram post where you were talking about the book, and you said, "14-year-old me would not believe if I told her." she would be a published author. How are you feeling? I don't know. It's feel, it still feels so weird, like, people being like, oh, published author. <laughs> I mean, I never I never really seen myself as a writer or that I'd ever publish a book. So it still feels weird when people are like, oh, how does it feel to be a published author? It just feels great to know that the project and the book that I've been writing like eight months and like it's been such a whirlwind that I'm just so happy that it's out there and that people are enjoying it. But you've also said that this book needed me as much as I needed it. I think when you sit down and write um, I just didn't know how difficult it would be but also how much I learned about myself. I think with each chapter I had to do a lot of like soul digging a lot of reflecting, a lot of growing and a lot of healing. And I didn't think it was going to be like that. So being able to sit down and it was kind of like writing a diary, but learning about yourself and growing all at the same time. And it was like after I finished writing, I felt like I had reclaimed a piece of myself. In 2019, we all know we came to know you because of Love Island. It was um, such a massive platform. And usually platforms like that give you a voice. But you said you lost your voice. How did you lose your voice? I think when you are like thrown into public, when people are used to watching you on TV, they have this preconception of 
what you're like or what your personality is like and when you come out and it doesn't match what they've seen they get a little confused and I think when you're in the public eye and people expect you to either talk about certain things um or stand up for certain things and you have your management in your ear being like don't say this don't say this and Let's not say that because the publicity and the PR could be a nightmare. We don't know how the tablets will pick it up and this, this and that. And you kind of get drowned out by the masses and everybody else's voice. And you just don't really get a say in things anymore. You just learn to be silent. So I think for me, I felt like I lost my voice because I was used to listening to everybody else and not speaking and someone else putting out a statement for me um, and just not saying anything at all. I think the best thing they'll say to you is when you're in some type of publicity drama or whatever it's just to put your head down and not say anything and you kind of you get used to like not speaking and not saying anything or people not knowing you anymore um and that's why I felt like I lost my voice but then in 2021 you found your voice again how did you find your voice and was that a surprising way for you because I like to do a lot of writing and a lot of thinking, uh, it wasn't, for me personally, it wasn't a surprising way. It was what surprised me was actually putting it out there. Because mm-hmm. I think there's one thing to sit down and write about how you feel and your thoughts and stuff. But there's it's another thing to actually put it out there, knowing the platform that you have. Um, and I think in 2021... I just needed to. It was something that I needed to do. I got to a point where no one else could speak for me and no one else could put a statement out for me. And it got to a point where I had to use my own voice again. And I sat down and I wrote an essay for The Independent. I wrote two for them. And both of them kind of went viral. And it was the first time that I really did feel like I was reclaiming something. I love this book because I'm still dipping in and out of it. And I think that's the perfect explanation for this book. I I don't have to do it sequentially. I do whatever chapter I think I want to read. I love the names that you've called them, like Say My Name, Fifty Shades of Black, Do I Even Need Therapy? One of the ones that did uh, jump out was typing. And it's all about (laughs) social media. And you actually say, when the topic of social media is discussed, it normally invites negative connotations and self-help speeches, usually starting with, why social media is ruining your life. But you know what's worse? (laughs) Telling people you work on social media for a living and dare I even say the word influencer. Have you found a change in reaction to people when they used to say, what's your job title? And used to go, hey, I'm Yuande and I'm an operations specialist in the biopharmaceutical industry. And now you say, hey, I'm Yuande I'm a social media creator. Oh, absolutely. The first question they'll be like is, because I think now it's different because people knew what my job was before. Yeah. So not only are they judging because it's like, oh, you do social media. It's like, no, but you used to be a biologist before. So now it's more of like, a, oh, that's great. But when are you going back? Are you ever going to go back? Are you going to go back next year? Would you do it part-time? And I think people say that because they still don't see social media as a real job and a real career, even though people are becoming millionaires and also billionaires from just working in social media. I think they see it as a very vain type of job role without actually knowing what it entails. Um, Because all they see, and you can't really blame them, is just nice edited pictures on social media and that's it. Um, But there is a lot that goes into it. And finally, I can't let you go without asking you about Love Island. I know you're not watching it this year, but 
You've said that it was the best decision you ever made going on that show. What would you say to anybody who's going, I think I'm going to apply for it next year? You just do it. Um, when I applied, I didn't think I was going to get it. And I did. So I think if you're thinking about it and it's something that you think is going to be a great thing for you to do and it makes you excited, just do it because you mightn't have the opportunity to do it again. What was the most surprising thing for you doing Love Island? Um, the friendships that come out of it, I think. Um, I think. I think a lot of people watch the show and don't think that like anything is real and it's all scripted and it's this and it's that. But the genuine friendships that you make and the, and the amazing people that you meet. Well, I'm glad that it was a positive experience for you and I'm glad so much more has come of it as well, including your book, Reclaiming Essays on Finding Yourself One Piece at a Time. Yuande, congratulations. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure. Let's go. This is a new music spotlight. On the Bellissimo Files. On the Bellissimo Files. Producer Aoife is back and I'm more excited than usual because this week it's all about the dance. I I am um, being very cheeky this week. It's a bank holiday. All we want to do is so manky. I keep using that word because it really is. I All know. we want to do is dance. I know, I know. I really do. And I'm very excited about these two dance tracks. It was too hard to choose between them myself, so I needed your help. So first up, we're going to have a listen to the new one from Fred again, featuring uh, Swedish House Mafia. This is called Turn Off the Lights Again. feel how happy we are in this studio right it's now. It's not that long since Fred again was on as my dance track of the week and I just have to put that in there. I'm loving that. And a combination with Swedish House Mafia, Match Made in Heaven. So that is up against this new one. I think you're going to love this as well. It's from Noizu and Second City. It is called More Love. I love that. You might remember Noizu, he had Catch My Love um, with um, Medusa. Mm-hmm. That was one of the big tracks. And then Summer 91, Looking Back, which I absolutely love. So I'm really loving hearing more of Noizu coming our way. And both of those dance tracks are just helping me through my FOMO of not being at all together now this weekend. Exactly. That <laughs> and Beyonce's new album. I know. I'm obsessed with this. I thought I'd play you my favourite track from the new album, but make sure you go listen to it all. This is called Alien Superstar. I didn't want that to end. I know, and I, I when I was uh, when we did, what did I miss? I mentioned that Honey Dijon featured on one of the tracks, one of my favourite DJs. So I've snuck in kind of three dance tracks this week, <laughs> but we'll say nothing. Well, uh, Honey Dijon was one of the writers behind that song, so I think that's why I really love it. Can you imagine this tour? 
oh like I'm already trying to put aside money for tickets because yeah. to be quite honest and I know this is very controversial I wasn't the biggest fan of Lemonade which I know all Beyonce fans will absolutely hunt me down for but you're entitled to your own opinion Aoife we all know here dance music is my thing so yeah. the minute I heard this was going to be a dance based album I was all for it and it has lived up to my expectations yeah you're putting away money for the ticket I'm yeah. putting away money for all the glitter I'm going to buy for yes. my face <laughs> <laughs> and the other day you were wearing glitter in your hair so I need to go get some of oh that oh my god too. yeah I'll, I yeah. have some left. I'll give you some. Thanks, thanks. <laughs> um, but that is not our Bellissimo Files single of the week. No, but we are taking you into the bank holiday weekend with a big dance track anyway. I am so happy you voted for this one. I'm loving this new one from Noizu and Second City. It is called uh, More Love on the Bellissimo Files. I am loving that. And so you, you voted that, your Bellissimo Files single of the week. Noizu and Second second City. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know why I'm doubting myself. <laughs> it is always the best when I get to play out a dance track as our track of the week. It's my favourite thing to do. And I think maybe we need to do it every bank holiday weekend. I think we do. What a way to kick off the bank holiday weekend. And I love the message in that as well. The world needs more love. There's yeah, no it's such very thing accurate. as too much. Yeah. Very accurate at the moment. Don't forget as well, if you want to catch those and more new music, head over to spin138.com or our app and you'll get the Fresh Hits playlist over there. And if you missed any of our interviews on today's show with the likes of Game of Thrones, Gwendolyn Christie, uh, Jenna Coleman, uh, uh, Kirby, Kirby Halbertine, <laughs> uh, uh, Alan Neil Gaiman, Yuande Biala. The list goes on and on. You can get them; they're all up on our website, spin1038.com. And next week, we're very excited about next week's show. Yes, because if you are a fan of Predator, you know that there's a new film in that pre- franchise called Prey. It is landing on Disney Plus on Friday. The star of Prey, Amber Mid-Thunder, is going to be on next week's show. That has, that has such a cult following, that series. It really does. Like uh, The people who love it are obsessed. <laughs> and the reviews that have come out have said that this is one of the fa- one of the best Predator Ooh, films you'll okay. see. So, yeah, so tune in next week for that. Up next is a Jess. Um, we'll be back next week. Have a good weekend. Bye. Three, two, one. Let's go. It's the Bellissimo Files. The Bellissimo Files. On spin.